We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a weekend edition of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm Josh Nelson, and on this episode, we look at the White Sox first 50 games of the season, where they stand and what their projections look like for the rest of 2021. We also play a couple of games on this episode, Real or Not, which will discuss which starts to 2021 are legit for the White Sox and which ones are due for serious regression. Also, contender or pretender, taking a look at other teams around Major League Baseball that we are buying that they could be postseason bound and which teams we are selling those postseason dreams. Joining me is our best friend of the show from Fangraphs.com. It's Dan Zaborski. And hello, Dan. Thanks for hopping on the show before Memorial Day weekend. And do you have any big Memorial Day weekend plans? Hey, Josh. I I got uh, an electric smoker outside. Nice. And I'm going to make ribs at some point next week. I think it's supposed to rain on Monday. But I would like to try it out. I have wood chips and I have bourbon to, to soak the chips in so we will see how that works nice nice i am jealous i i do not have a smoker i don't even have a grill so i gotta get my life 
together after we just moved. I have to get my summer cooking stuff taken care of. Uh, but I am jealous. You're going to have to let me know how your uh, bourbon ribs taste. Going to baseball, let, let's start broad here because we are recording this episode on May 28th, 2021. This is prior to the Chicago White Sox-Baltimore Orioles Friday night game, which is the 50th game for the White Sox played in 2021. But looking at the league as a whole, Dan, after the first 50 games of the season, which many teams are already at this mark or past this mark, what are your initial thoughts about what you have seen from the league as a whole to start this 2021 season? Well, one thing that we've obviously seen is that offense continues to be down, and that's largely home run related. Uh, one of the things I tracked is because some, some of the, the decline in offense actually comes from uh, the change in uh, the DH rule. Uh, when you just look at non-pictures, there was actually a larger drop-off in offense from 2019 to 2020 than 2020 to 2021. But it's continued this year, which is which is an issue. About I had about 90% of the difference in batting average from last year to this year being missing home runs. So whatever else is going on, it does seem to be suppressing home runs, but it hasn't encouraged, you know, a more ball-and-play style. So mm-hmm. offense just has continued to drop. And baseball, I think, kind of needs to think about the, the – uh, you know, they're just the aesthetics of the game. Uh, I think when a game becomes a little static and a little stale, I think it does – action is fun, let's just say. Yeah, action is fun, but I don't know how many teams are going to go out and say, you know what, I don't want to draft the power hitters anymore. I want nine Nick Madrigals who constantly put the ball in play and make it more aesthetically pleasing. Like, I, I don't know if the league – is going to be making that shift soon just because while Nick magical is fun at times watching him constantly put the ball in play. It's also a lot of fun still to see a lot of home runs, but I, I understand your point is that, well, you're getting neither. You're not getting the ball in play a lot and you're not More seeing a lot runs. of home runs. It's the worst of both worlds. Teams are optimizing their offenses. This is what the offenses look like. Not because everyone said, you know, we want to have, you know, a bunch of, uppercut hitting guys who strike out a lot it's because it's the ideal optimum way to develop a a team that scores a lot of runs and actually uh from a consistency standpoint the team that hits home runs will actually be more consistent than a team that relies on on balls in play because balls in play are quite volatile uh because of the interaction between ball pitcher and fielder uh so i think you have to solve that problem. You're going to need to incentivize teams. You can't just wait for things to turn around naturally because there's no reason for that to happen. And I think you would need to change the ball or the mound or the bases in some way that incentivizes putting the ball in play. And that's how, if you want to see something good happen, you have to provide just the reason to make that thing ever happen. Yeah. Steve Stone during the White Sox broadcast seems pretty confident that Major League Baseball is going to make a change to the mound, either lowering the mound or push it back a foot. Do you think it's going to make that big of a difference if Major League Baseball decided that the experiment, which is currently ongoing with the Atlantic League, that, hey, after watching this independent league have the mound 61 feet, six inches away from home plate, that 
yeah, we could do this in Major League Baseball. We'll push the mound back a foot. Do you think it'll make that big of a difference? I think it could, uh, and we have seen mound changes, mound height changes that have changed offense significantly. Uh, so it is something I'd like to see. I mean, you worry about pictures getting injured, but I'm not really sure that it's that linear a fashion. Uh, because if it was, then we'd say, why don't we just do 58-inch mounds and make everyone much healthier? Uh, I don't think it quite works like that. Uh, I, 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 This is probably not going to be a popular thing, but I would not – mind seeing baseball tinker with the difference but the distance between bases uh 90 feet isn't you know something that was handed down on stone tablets and if you made the diamond slightly smaller then there's more of an advantage towards putting the ball in play because it comes slightly easier to reach first on an infield hit or a little type of chopper it makes it a little quicker to get to second on a double and when that becomes easier and the home runs don't become more valuable at the same time that it provides just a just again an incentive interesting so what distance would you suggest then if you eliminated it are we talking about a couple feet are we talking 10 feet from the 90 feet away I would probably experiment in the in the Atlantic League with with eighty eight feet bases, eighty eight foot bases. I guess is more. Okay. Okay. It, so a little less than thirty yards. And the thing is, uh, I'd like the thing about making the bases smaller is there's no real risk to pitchers' arms the way there would be in changing something about the mound. Uh, and people have this idea that ninety foot is some magical uh, distance that makes like a lot of close plays, but you know. We'd see a lot of close plays no matter what the distance is because it's just that the 88-foot plays are easier outs now. Um, so I, I I do think baseball should, you know, change up the meta, so to speak, to use a video game term. Okay. I mean, people are already saying that Tim Anderson's bab up is too high. If you put the bases at 88 feet, I'm sure it's going to rise for Tim Anderson, uh, especially with his speed. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes him a more valuable player, and he, it, you know, it makes Nick Madrigal a, a more valuable player because those balls in play are more likely to become hits than before. Uh, so that's, that's what I would do. I don't think anyone in baseball is talking about this idea specifically because there seems to be a resistance towards a change that major. But I don't think there's anything necessarily special about 90 feet between bases. So that's the league. So the league theme, and I agree with you, offense is down. That seems to be a concern. Also, injuries are piling up. Uh, but injuries have always been an issue as far as the league. And we knew that this could be a problem, especially coming after a 60-game season in 2020. But how about the Chicago White Sox? What are your thoughts about this ball club after their first 50 games of the season, Dan? Oh, it's it's hard to be too upset about anything going on with the White Sox because they've lost, you know, a couple pretty significant parts of their team. They've lost, you know, Luis Robert and they, and, and they have lost Aloy Jimenez and they are fourth in the league in runs scored. They're at the top of the AL Central. They're 29-20 uh, when, when, when we record this. They're a good team. Uh, the Indians have stayed a little closer probably than they would like. Well, the White Sox would like at least, uh, but I, I'm pretty confident now with the Twins digging themselves such a deep hole that the White Sox have really good playoff odds. When I ran them a few days ago, they had the best divisional odds of any team currently leading the division. Wow. I was going to ask you, 
What is Zips projecting now with the White Sox starting the season 29 and 20? Is the win total increased? Because I know that they were hovering around 90 wins, even with the Eloy Jimenez injury, like 88, 90 wins. Uh, and then Luis Robert gets hurt. I'm sure that put a dent in the projection model. But, you know, they keep winning without these two guys. Yeah, some of some of the improvements, for instance, uh, Carlos Rodon, his season has been much better than expected, and his his projections have improved. Of course, your mean Mercedes, his his projections have improved. Uh, they're still not, you know, saying he's going to continue this, but they're sunnier than they were before. So there are better options for some of the negative scenarios, and and Zip still has them around ninety wins, uh, which I'm sure no one will complain about because now that ninety wins projects to be a seven game lead. Uh, the Twins are only projected now in Zips to be around uh, 500 simply because of the hole they've dug for themselves and, and the resulting decline in in, in, in projection for, for some of the players. Uh, I, I'd be very happy uh, if, if I were a White Sox fan right now. I'd be very happy about where the team is. So let's play one of our two games, real or not. And we're going to talk about... White Sox starts to this season as far as the players themselves. And you touched on a couple of them, but let's start with Carlos Rodon. I remember after the season ended, Jim and I joined your show on FanGraph Stan, and you asked us, was that the last time we saw Carlos Rodon pitching for the White Sox after their <laughs> divisional loss to Oakland? And we both said yes. And he got non-tendered. And I thought, yep, Jim and I were right. And the White Sox brought him back. And all we heard during spring training is that he's working out with this core velocity belt. He's making a lower half change uh, with his throwing motion with new pitching coach Ethan Katz. And now Carlos Rodon looks like he could be an American League Cy Young contender. He's got a 1.29 ERA after eight starts. His FIP is 2.01. He's already at two war on Fangraphs.com. His strikeout per nine is ridiculous, Dan. He's at over 13 and his walk per nine is right around two. He's hitting 100 miles per hour on the radar gun. I know. Uh, so I have to ask you, yeah, is this real or not? Well, a lot of the the, the peripherals of it are real. Uh, you can't fake throwing 100. You can't fake, you know, being healthy. It's hard to fake striking out batters. This isn't like a BABIP thing. Yeah, he has a 211 or something batting average of balls in play when I was checking this morning. Uh, but it's that even if it comes up to his FIP, his FIP is 2. Uh, he, he, he's had a tremendous season. I did not see it coming. Where was this belt five years ago? Because <laughs> this is, this is the, this isn't just like, you know, getting back to where he was, uh, say in 2015, this is like a new, like supercharged Rodan. He's, he's Rodan now. He's, he's a monster. <laughs> I swear I didn't, I swear I didn't prepare that ahead of time. That would have been a little trite if I had thought of that more. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, Garrett Cole is the clear leader right now out of the clubhouse for the American League Scion. But I have to imagine if the season ended today and last year, the season was only 60 games. So that was actually a serious talking point after 50 games of the, the 2020 season when we were talking about Scion candidates that yeah, right now he's for sure making the all-star game. I don't know how he doesn't make the all-star team for the American League. 
but he's got to be in the top five American League Cy Young contenders, Dan. And this is a guy who got non-tendered by the White Sox and nobody else in the league signed him until the White Sox gave him half the money that he was projected to make uh, in arbitration uh, to come back and give it one last shot. And now he looks like an all-star. And I, I'll, at least in my opinion, he's a top five Cy Young candidate right now for the American League. If the season ended right now, I would vote Garrett Cole on the ballot. But right now, I I think that Rodon would be my number two. Wow! Again, can you believe we're saying this? I mean, it's I'm, I'm I cannot believe this at all. It's it's great that it's happened. I love being wrong in a situation like this because who doesn't love to be wrong about a guy being able to turn around his career? I mean, it's like of course you want to be wrong about that, like. I mean, if you went to your doctor and and he said you were you know terminally ill, and then you went into remission, he wouldn't be disappointed that he was wrong. He'd be like excited. I mean, it's awesome that he's re- resuscitated his career the way he has. And again, I want that belt because, <laughs> contrary to magnets or whatever weird bats they're sitting in, that belt has a pretty good. Uh, data point in its favor so right now we're saying what we're watching from carlos Rodon is real i will say it's real i mean not real in the sense he's going to finish the season with a gary of 1.5 or anything but it's real in that he is a top picture as long as he stays healthy i i hate to put that you know disclaimer in but it, it still needs to be said unfortunately well, it's a fair disclaimer for all pitchers yeah it's for all pictures there's no picture except maybe a knuckleballer that will be good if they're injured. Going to the offense, you Mercedes. We've seen a little bit of a regression in the month of May. Uh, in his last game against Baltimore, he had a home run with an exit velocity to uh, to the tune of 116 miles per hour. Uh, so he still got plenty of charge in that bat. Um, but, you know, after the first 50 games, his slash line is at 340 batting average, getting on base 386 and still selected above 500. He's at 525. Is this real or not for Yermer Mercedes, Dan? I think to this extent it's not. I think he's shown that he can hit. He could probably be at least a league average DH of the majors, which is way above what I expected coming into the season. Uh, the projections, I mean, they didn't really like him at all. Uh, they they thought he had power, but they didn't see a lot of batting average, a lot of, a lot of on-base percentage. Uh, uh, Zips had him for under one win coming into the season. Uh, which, I mean, isn't you know a replacement player. That's a player that has value as a role player. But he, he's carved out a real role. And I'm not, unlike Rodon, I'm not confident he's really this good uh, in the rankings. Obviously, the OPS would probably come down either way. I don't think he's going to have a finish a season with, with an OPS that is, you know, approaching a thousand at times. But I, I think that he is at least an average DH now. And that's that's a good thing because... That's actually something that the White Sox needed coming to the season. So it's nice to have the surprise be, you know, just the one you're looking for, because this is this was almost a storyline thing that it happened to Mercedes in this situation, lose after losing Jimenez. And that is a popular question from White Sox fans is that what happens when Aloy Jimenez gets healthy enough to rejoin the team? And again, optimistic, saying when, not if. 
but yeah, if Aloy Jimenez joins the team in September and your Mercedes is still hitting, what do you think the White Sox do? I think they'll probably ease Jimenez back into the lineup, start resting some of their guys, especially because it looks like there is going to be a lead involved. Uh, if if the projections at least are true, uh, and the and not the Yankees, the White Sox have a seven game edge at the end of the season. That suggests that there probably will have a little bit of space to start sending guys down. You don't want to just throw Jimenez back in full time. I think there will be enough at bats. I think if anything long term, uh, since you know Jimenez wants to play the the outfield, I, I think that that Adam Eaton is probably the one that should feel a little more uncomfortable than than Mercedes at this point. Uh, hmm. But but we'll, we'll see about that. It is Tony Larusa, and without being too mean here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that sums up our reactions often when we talk about Tony La Russa. So, I I am on the same wavelength as you are, Dan. It's a tough it's a tough uh, situation because I don't really like him as a manager. But people think, like, you know, the White Sox are good. It's like, yeah, I still think the White Sox are a really good team. I just don't think they're a really good team because of Tony La Russa. Right. Another player we'll touch on here in real or not, and this is the guy that's breaking my brain when I'm looking at advanced metrics, and that's Yasmani Grandal. Grandal. Uh, I mean, Dan, he's hitting 141. I mean, just I, I know we don't want to put too much credence to batting average, but hitting 141 after 130-plus plate appearances, that's not good. But his on-base percentage is almost 400. <laughs> He's at 391 with an on-base percentage. And, of course, his slugging is taking a hit. He's at 359. Uh, but his ISO is 217 because, again, his batting average is 141. <laughs> so is I, is this real or not well, I, for Yasmati Grande? I don't think it's real at all because what it comes down to is he's hitting like 130 on balls in play. And there is a limit to how bad you can be at that. Pitchers who are not selected, unless you're Otani, who are not selected for their hitting ability ever anymore, they have a collective batting average on balls in play every year uh, in the 210 to 230 to 40 range. Uh, so that's kind of a hard limit on how bad an actual major league hitter can be at hitting balls that end up as hits. Uh, so there's, there's some bad luck there. Uh, I don't think that the the walking itself is a fluke. Uh, I think that he's responding to his problems by being even more selective than usual. I kind of joked that he was kind of baseball's Gandhi because of his passive resist, his passive non-resistance to uh, to balls that are thrown at him that he doesn't want because he will not swing at anything he doesn't want to anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so we're seeing that his 141 batting average is not real. This should pick up. It should pick up. I don't think he's going to be have a huge batting average season, uh, but Zips, his rest of season projection is 215 with a 353 on base percentage and a 423 slugging percentage. I don't think that's unrealistic. It might even be better than that because of the walks. I mean, he actually has uh, in WRC+, plus, uh, way to runs created plus, he actually has his career high at 126. And he's hitting 141. This is why my brain is breaking right now. Yeah, I, my brain wasn't breaking until we've talked about it now. Now my brain is kind of breaking a little <laughs> bit. It's it's one of those just weird things that's almost video game-ish. 
mean, that's like my line in high school. I was a terrible hitter. Uh, I was a terrible pitcher too. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, we weren't we weren't very good. Uh, you see, because what happened in my school is since I played on the east, I was in, I went. I'm from Baltimore. That all the all the good athletes played lacrosse, not any of the other sports. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I it's 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 really just weird. It's fucking. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I meant to say knocking futs, but we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But that's not what came out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, let okay. So right now we're saying... Yes, Monty Grandel's batting average is not real. It should pick up. Let's go to the rookie, Andrew Vaughn. He's really impressed me watching him day by day on how well he's progressing in left field. He's currently hitting 234 with a 326 on base percentage, and he's slugging 411. I have to ask you, though, because if he is a corner outfielder, that does give the White Sox some flexibility on trying to keep him in the lineup and then trying to keep Aloy Jimenez in the lineup and also keep Jose Abreu around. Do you buy, do you think it's real or not, Andrew Vaughn's uh, as far as a staying power in the outfield? He seems acceptable out there. Uh, I mean, he's not like a huge, huge dude. It's not like he's a six foot seven, 260 pound guy who just flung out there. Uh, and he's not, you know, Sean Casey slow or anything. So I think it's not super shocking that 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 he's reacted so well and he, he has played pretty solid defense out there. Uh I think he can maintain this and that gives the team more options, especially with Mercedes uh who wasn't an issue, you know, coming into the season. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Our final segment on this podcast, we're going to take a look at other teams around Major League Baseball and we're going to play the game Contender or pretender. These are teams that are going to be in the White Sox path or the White Sox are going to be involved with over the 2021 season. And Dan, you let me know if you think that, yes, after 50 games, this team has the signs of being a playoff contender as far as a contender to make the postseason, or no, after 50 games, they might be starting well, uh, but they, I am putting them in the pretender category. I don't think this is, is sustainable. 
So let's start with the team that's currently trailing the White Sox right now in the American League Central and keeping it close, the Cleveland Indians. Do you think that they are a contender for the postseason or are they a pretender? Now, I assume that I have to choose one that I get in big trouble if I try to go in the middle. Well, I don't know how. Is that a subject I guess, correct? how does the middle work? If I want to kind of hedge my bets cowardly. Oh, I see. I see. Are you going to let me get away with cowardice? Yeah, I'll let you get away with cowardice as long as you accept oh, that you are being a coward. Oh, I, I don't want to be shamed on a podcast. <laughs> I, I will say I will say pretender. I think that there are some things to like about the Indians, but I do. I think their depth is just kind of not great. I don't see the team making a big addition at the trade deadline to address a weakness. And I think that will hurt them in, in when it comes to the pennant race. So I'm going to say pretender. All right. Let's go to the American League East. A surprise in the American League and within that division, the Boston Red Sox. Maybe this is a bit early that they are peaking, uh, but they are still playing good baseball. Uh, they had a poor start getting swept right away, but then they got hot and they had that long winning streak, which included the White Sox. And after 50 games, there are still 10 games above 500 at 30 and 20, uh, currently second place behind Tampa, who got smoking hot lately. Uh, are you considering the Red Sox a contender or a pretender? A pretender as well, simply because I'm worried what happens when someone in that rotation gets injured. Because they've had their their uh, their desired five pitchers throw all but two starts this year for the team, and you look at the names on that list: Avaldi, uh, Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, Nick Pavetta. It's not a particularly durable group of pitchers. I mean, do you want to count on Garrett Richards being healthy in two months? I mean, that's I like that he's been healthy, and it's a great story, but I don't know if I want to count on that. And it's a very tough division. The Rays, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays are better teams than the Red Sox, and I think that, that gives them a significant problem when you have three rivals. I think the Red Sox, they'll, they'll finish above projections at this point. They'll probably go 84 and 78, but I don't think that gets them into the playoffs. All right, let's move to the American League West. The Oakland Athletics, they had a terrible start. And just like Boston, they got red hot, had a huge winning streak, a very long winning streak. And uh, they're still giving Houston fits. They're currently one and a half games ahead of the Houston Astros for first place in the American League West at 30 and 22, uh, despite their negative six run differential. Are you considering the Athletics contenders or pretenders in making the postseason? For them, I'm going to say contenders uh, simply because you look at where they are and they haven't gotten like a lot of crazy good performances from from players they expect to. You know, Matt Chapman hasn't really taken off yet. Uh, they've had injuries. Uh, Lazardo was, was mediocre and injured. Uh, Frankie Montas, uh, uh, Manaya, uh, they have a lot of guys who should be playing better than they are. And yeah, you know, Mark Hanna will come back to earth. But I think that there is some upside to that team. And I think it's enough. Uh, and the Astros aren't scary anymore. Uh, I think it's enough that the A's are a contender. Okay, let's move over to the National League. A popular team that White Sox fans have targeted as far as with trying to come up with hypothetical trades, especially for one Chris Bryant. And that is the Chicago Cubs, in which the White Sox did the Cubs a favor by winning two out of three against St. Louis and don't look now, but the Cubs are right there keeping up with the St. Louis Cardinals 
for first place in the National League Central. Are you considering the Cubs a contender or pretender in making the postseason in 2021? I'm going to say contender. I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're even really a 90-win team. But in the in the NL Central, if you can play around 500, you're a serious contender for the division. And that that makes kind of the whole NL Central, except for the Pirates, contenders. Because the next team was going to ask you was the Milwaukee Brewers. So we can list them as a contender. Cause yeah, they're... I will list all the NL Central teams, except for the Pirates, who are clearly not a contender, as contenders. All right. So, so I'm going would... to mess. But, but I didn't. I didn't hedge my bets, though. I'm just going to be brave and mess. I love it. Okay. I love it, Dan. Uh, Back to the Cubs. Because, again, White Sox fans obviously be in the same market. Uh, They look over the Cubs and say, well, they got to be trading these guys away soon. So the White Sox need another bat in the lineup. They need some help in the corner outfield. Why not go get Chris Bryant? If you think that the Cubs are a contender, do you see Jed Hoyer not selling off pieces at the trade deadline? of the belief that they are not going to trade Chris Bryant. I think that the team would have to drop out of the pennant race for that to happen. They, they would have, I think if they had, it wouldn't be like the nationals uh, when at times they've been out of the pennant race and, and they didn't make trades. I think that the Cubs would, but given that they look like they're going to be in the hunt, uh, there's big money in making the playoffs and since, you know, the team's so, so very poor, <laughs> I, I think they hang on to him uh, for the rest of the season. Oh, well, that's not good news for some White Sox fans. They'd love to see Chris Bryant in a White Sox uniform, and that would be great. But, yeah, the Cubs are playing too good at baseball. I'm with you, Dan. I don't think they sell off at this moment uh, as we head to the trade deadline in another 30 or 40 games before we, you know, next time we talk as far as before the trade deadline Maybe things will change, but right now that outlook looks like the Cubs should keep everybody. Uh, let's go to the San Francisco Giants in the National League West. Great start to the season, but unfortunately for them, they are playing the same division that might have the two best teams in all of baseball in the San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Do you see them as a contender or pretender as a possible National League wildcard team? As a wild card team, I am gonna be a little cowardly here. Uh, as as a wild card team, I think they they have done enough, and the pitching has improved enough uh, that you could call them a wild card contender. Uh, the problem is, is there's probably only realistically going to be one wild card spot that these teams are all fighting for. Uh, I think that it's very very likely that the loser of Dodgers Padres is the first wild card. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. That essentially leaves three or four NL East teams, probably the top two or three NL Central teams, and the Giants. We'll call that we'll call that eight teams fight for one playoff spot, uh, and that that's tough. Uh, I I don't think that they are going to you know do any major trades of prospects at the trade deadline, nor should they. Now, if if Buster Posey, I mean Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford have been ridiculous this year. Uh, if they fall back to earth, maybe they fall out a little sooner. But it is it is fun to kind of see the the revenge of the thirty somethings. <laughs> and then finally, the Minnesota Twins. Should White Sox fans still consider these guys contenders, or can we put them in the pretender pile? Now it's not desperation, but I think that their playoff probability is probably in the low single digits at this point, uh, because 
the the wild cards probably aren't going to come from the AL Central, which means you have to win the division. And you not only need to have something pretty terrible happen to the White Sox because they have to lose nine games, they now have to leapfrog the Royals and the Indians. And I don't think that the Twins are strong enough to do that. So are we looking at a fourth-place Minnesota Twins team in 2021? I think they'll recover enough to be second or third, but I think they'll just run out of calendar before they make it any any interesting at all. Wow. I mean, I, that's pretty drastic, right? Before the season started, it looked like that they were going to be the favorites to win the American League Central, especially after re-signing Nelson Cruz, and then the terrible injury news to Aloy Jimenez, and yeah, they are off to a terrible start. They're playing better baseball as of late, but they are 20 and 29, and the White Sox are already 5 and 1 against the Minnesota Twins in 2021. Yeah, the record is it, I mean, it's a big deal. If you ever watch like the World Series of Poker, sometimes you'll see a guy who pushes all his chips with like a pair of aces, and then the other guy gets three kings on the flop and you see that little probability thing flipping the other guy's favor. Uh that that's where they are. I I I the Twins, it's it's going to be rough. Before I let you go, looking ahead, again, the trade deadline is still a couple months away. But when you look at this White Sox roster, the front offices of the contending teams are starting to compile a list of players that they think could help them. And now seeing some teams fall off the wagon here, uh, as far as with poor play, that they're going to shift into selling mode like a good example is the Arizona Diamondbacks I could see the Diamondbacks start selling off pieces uh now getting a better sense of who are going to be sellers at the trade market when you look at the White Sox roster Dan where do you think they need the most help right now to increase their odds of not just winning the American League Central but give them a better shot of winning the American League pennant uh well the good news is is with with the uh Emergence of Mercedes, the return, the the comeback of Rodon, the 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 playing of the outfield, respectively by Andrew Vaughn. I think that the White Sox have kind of fallen into a position where their biggest needs have somehow been met. So I think rather than seeking a specific need, they should be kind of opportunity based. When you see an opportunity to add someone, even if they're not necessarily a great fit, then they go. Then you should go for it. Add depth to the team. Uh, I don't think that you necessarily need to, at this point, go after a certain problem because right now, I mean, where is the team's weakness? I mean, probably, I mean, second base maybe. I mean, yeah, second base might be the team's weakest position right now, and I don't dislike their second base situation at all. I I, I like Madrigal fine. He's not going to hit for power, but I think he's a league average second baseman at least. Uh, I think you just see what happens, who falls out, and seek to poach guys maybe for next year. The Padres did a lot of that last year where they where their acquisitions were pictures that they hoped would be valuable in future years. Now, Michael Clevenger was injured, but they, they acquired him not just to have him in 2020. They acquired him looking forward. And I think that that's what the White Sox should do is acquire guys – Looking at 2022, 2023, uh, maybe you talk to the Orioles about John Means or, or something. There, there, there will be opportunities, but hopefully the team will seize them. Well, we'll see what the White Sox do. We'll definitely have Dan on a couple of times before we get to that trade deadline, which is a couple weeks after the All-Star break. It's a couple weeks after the Major League Baseball draft. So 
a lot of these GMs and scouts are already talking to each other, and it's going to be July is going to be a very busy month for everybody involved. But you could follow Dan on Twitter. He's at dzaborski. You can read his work on Fangraphs.com. Your weekly chat is which day now? It's it's still Thursday. It's been Thursday for a whole year now. All right, and I even I even remember the date of the week, even though I don't always remember that it's Thursday anymore. <laughs> and you're on Sirius XM. You have a weekly spot there. Yeah, I do. Uh, with, uh, 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 with 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 Ryan Payton, I do a, a uh, segment every Friday where we talk about sports on Sports Talk Today. Uh, I've I've done stuff. Uh, it's on with Canada Talks uh, because you know I'm not Canadian, so the Canadians like to talk to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I've been doing that for a while Before it was Canada Talks There was Canada Laughs uh, with Todd Shapiro And I did that because I'm apparently, They apparently think I'm funny For a baseball writer Not like funny for a comedian or anything But funny for a baseball writer uh, Is helpful at times uh, So we, 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 have, we have fun We talk some, some silliness and stuff Because once people are used to me Then there's the embracing of the silliness if they want to keep having me around because I am a, a fundamentally unserious person. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, I know. What? <laughs> We've been talking for how many years? I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but again, follow Dan on Twitter. He's at Dzimborski and read his excellent work as always on Fangraphs.com. And Dan, thank you so much for hopping on and recording this special edition podcast with us. Thanks as always for having me, Josh. That will do it for this edition of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, follow Dan on Twitter at DZaborski and read his excellent work on Fangraphs.com. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the Sox Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel in which we do weekly videos called Sox Machine Live that you can watch on YouTube.com slash Sox Machine. And you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. And if you have been a longtime subscriber of the Sox Machine Podcast, but you don't support us on Patreon, Consider doing so. Going to patreon.com slash socksmachine where our Patreon supporters get exclusive content, bonus content, especially with the podcast. They get an ad-free version of both the podcast and the website and first crack at any new Socks Machine swag item. So if you enjoy our work and you want more, go to patreon.com slash socksmachine and sign up today. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts.